Welcome to The Wind Down, an afternoon podcast where two techie blokes sit down over a bowl of wine and chat about what's happening in the world of tech. Enjoy while Scott and Nick open up about their week in technology. Ladies and gentlemen, good afternoon and welcome to The Wind Down. I'm here with Scott. Hello, Scott. How are you? I'm good, thanks. And I'm here with... Nick. <laughs> well, that worked well, didn't it? Well, let's start. Where are we? What are we drinking? Okay, look, a bit, a bit of a change today. We've actually gone out, uh, out and about on, on foot. Uh, and, um, yeah, we're, we're, we're just down the, down the road from Crow's Nest a bit in a place called St. Leonard's uh, at Gilroy's Tavern. Gilroy's Tavern. What a wonderful place that is. And anybody who's been in the IT industry long enough will have at least come here once, right? Hopefully at least once. <laughs> yes. It's, uh, it's been around for quite a while. All right. And look, um, and we've picked up a nice little uh, good old favourite today, uh, the uh, Chusner Shiraz. A little uh, colourful logoed sort of label on the front. Oh, very nice. What year is that? Um, I believe, well, I think the question may be what week is that? <laughs> um, it's, it's this year. It's a current bottle. So it's, uh, it's, it's this year's production. And it's, it's something different because they've had the, uh, the Chusner Shiraz here for uh, oh, many, many years now, um, the the Chisner Winery, based in uh, Nuriupta in South Australia, just up from uh, up from the centre of the uh, the Barossa there in uh, Tanunda. So yeah, very well pronounced. I'm very impressed with Nuriupta. Anyway, um, what are we talking about today? Hey, look, I, I I wanted to come back to this because it's it's something that everyone sort of thinks they probably know everything about, but. I'm hoping we're going to show that they don't, and that's antivirus. 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 I, I, I can just, I can just feel the, the waves of. Oh, really? Surely not. <laughs> it's got to be talking about DOS or something. <laughs> more exciting than telephony, that's for sure. <laughs> Any, anyway, so um, like, oh, come on, Scott. I've got AV. Um, you you keep going. Oh, you need something different. Why am I not I, safe? I, okay, so look, let me let me just put this into perspective. In 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 years past, you'd say I've got antivirus tick. My machine's good. I'm all happy with that. Okay, that, that's okay. Yep. Uh, in reality, though, today, uh, antivirus as a base product has been around so long, it's pretty much this thing that everyone knows how to get around. So when you're looking at your malwares, you're looking at um, all your crypto locker style things or your other attacks, they, they don't really care that you've got antivirus anymore. It's Think about antivirus as, I've put a lock on my front door. But everyone's now looking at windows, they're looking at back doors, they're looking at climbing in through the roof, they're looking at whatever it is. They don't really care about the lock on your front door anymore. Or they're arresting John McAfee. Well, that, that's a whole other story. <laughs> uh, but, um, but essentially today, look, the, 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 the tools, uh, the, the ways of attacking systems and compromising systems are a lot more complex than they used to be, and therefore the newer tools and systems that are available are um, equally up to speed with protecting that. Okay. But it's way past antivirus. So you're saying they're smarter. So so let's let's roll back. What is traditional antivirus then? So antivirus, uh, think about when you actually go to run an application, mm-hmm. antivirus will look at the files for that application, mainly just the executable files, and try to scan that against a list of known bad things. Okay, so it, they've looked at all the malware out there, they've added that into a database, and that's what it scans for, right? Yeah, so when, when your antivirus tool updates, it downloads the latest database of known bad pieces of malware and viruses and things like that, and whenever you go to run an executable program on your system, it compares it and sees, look, is it in this list? 
If it is, hey, I'm going to block it and put a nice little message up saying, I'm your virus scanner, I've stopped this, it's on the bad list. Yep. Uh, however, uh, that is very easily tricked these days. Okay. Well, I think it's actually been very easily tricked for, for, for ages. <laughs> let's, let's, not, yes. let's not be silly. So you're telling me antivirus is one part of what I need. What do they call the whole lot? So antivirus and look, antivirus has many terms. It could be called endpoint protection. It could mm-hmm. be called antivirus. It could be security suite. It could be, look. There's many names, but really the concept of what we're looking at today uh, it gets a lot more into the endpoint detection and response. Endpoint yep. detection and response. EDR. 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 And, and what? And so, so in EDR. I'm trying to find naughty things, right? It, it is, and it looks at a whole variety of things. So it's trying to detect what's happening on your machine. Now, if you think about the antivirus, we said it'll try to match a pattern that says this thing you're about to run, that's on the known bad list. Okay, that might be one test. Um, EDR is going to look at a whole variety of things. It's going to look at not just the, the basic antivirus scan thing, it's going to go into a lot of other areas as well. Okay. All right. So, so that's that's EDR, endpoint detection and response. Yes. So, talk to me about some of those approaches. Talk to, you know, I know there's a few. Let me think. There's continual monitoring, heuristics, behaviors, script. Yes. Give me, give me a view on that. So, stuff. look. Okay. Look. So, look. Look. You can go I'll drink wine while he does this, by the way. <laughs> Some lovely wine. <laughs> Yummy. So our, our continual monitoring, it's, it's more than just I've run my application, therefore I must be good. It also looks at what is the application actually doing, uh, what registry cre- uh, keys are being created in there, uh, what sort of network activity is it generating, uh, what processes are running, how many of them. Is, is this normal for uh, an application? Now, now, I also know operating systems have hooks in them to allow these things to be smart, right? Because yes. one, one of the things, if I take my way to the very first virus I detected and fixed by hand was, was a virus called Shemnitz. And Shemnitz um, was a DOS virus. And whenever you tried to make a call to the disk, it would intercept that and go and do something else. Mm. Um, so once that had loaded, it kind of ran in memory and it wasn't attached to files and it was really hard to find. Yes. Um, so that, that kind of, that's called heuristics, that kind of behavior, isn't it? The, it? Heuristics describe what the actual application does or what the virus does when it's running. You're looking for certain patterns like, oh, I'm going and changing certain registry values. Uh, I'm trying to play around with parts of the machine that, look, an application may not really be supposed to be doing. Um, and as you mentioned, some of these things are hard to find to the point where you're just going, I'm just going to format my hard drive and start again. Now, that's all very well, but some of these actually go and insert themselves in the in firmware. The system, in yes. the firmware. And you think, well, hang on, how can this... Happen? Yes, it's smart firmware, can be updated. Yes, no, absolutely. So, yeah, I, I know about those. So, effectively, if you get one of these evil things, you need to throw the device away, right? Uh, there are ways to do it, but you've really got to you've got to go and find out how does this thing work, who's got and analysed it, where's the repair list, how do I go and then reflash it with new firmware, how do I then load? But it's it's quite a painful approach. So so this is almost a big data problem, right, Scott? Yes. And we in in you know if I want to find fraud in in a bank, I'll use machine learning or artificial intelligence. Are they yes. using this in the um, the the malware world? There is, and what what podcast would not be a podcast unless we added machine learning and artificial intelligence, artificial into, intelligence. into the list. <laughs> we, we must be succeeding in a few goals here. <laughs> so um, the, what's happening with machine learning and artificial intelligence says uh, 
if you don't understand if this is a bit of malware or not, you can actually upload it to the cloud, and there's all these smarts and, and uh, engines up there that will go and look at what is it doing. Maybe I'm going to run this in a sandbox and see what it does. Does it behave like an application, or does it behave like a virus? Yeah, no, good, good point. I, I get that. I hear that. Um, so um, we've got cloud-based machine learning exploits. Exploits. Now we're back to patching. You know, we, we, we witter on about this like like old ladies, but everybody should be patched up to date, right? That, that's correct. Um, so if I can't patch, then I've got exploits that these things can take advantage of. Is there antivirus software which blocks that kind of thing? So, yeah, modern antivirus and I'll say endpoint detection and response tools, when you're looking ADR. at the entire combination, we'll look at, oh, I see you're running this version of Java or I see you're running this version of Flash or something like that or you've got this browser that's got these known issues in it I'm going to specifically watch for these known vulnerabilities and see if I can stop anyone trying to take advantage of them cool in, in the um, many years ago Trend had a uh, separate product that did this it was actually quite good because it was called virtual patching you didn't need to patch because the tools themselves would stop anything that took advantage of those systems but of course the list then became bigger and bigger and bigger and actually becomes quite complex to do so that's super cool but you should patch you, you should patch. just yes yeah, st stop trying to be more creative in the um in, in the way of we're going to prevent this by doing this just patch in the first place and avoid the whole need so to you have the prevention you, you, in place you didn't hear it here first but just patch <laughs> patch your systems <laughs> yes excellent so moving forward we I've, I've heard people mention this thing called the zero trust model Yes. Um, Scott, I'm going to go over to you. What's the zero trust model? So it's, it's a, think of it as a, a methodology where we don't trust anything that happens and we make sure that everything proves itself before it can run. So if I'm going to run an application, you know that I'm only going to allow things that are known to be good. Now, this isn't like antivirus that says, you're on the bad list, I'm going to stop you. You actually have to be on the good list. Okay. All right. So... All right, zero trust need to be on the good list, so that's whitelisting. Yes. And I'll, I'll just, I'll just yep. say in there as well that this zero trust model is not just as far as like antivirus or endpoint detection and response goes. This goes into you know, users as well, like user IDs and creation about security models for applications, for organizations. It essentially says you have to be able to show that you are allowed to either run or have access to a system to be able to get access to it. Not just you're not on a bad list. Okay, cool. So, so that's, that's me running software. That's me doing stuff inside my environment and all sorts of things like that. Am I safe on the web? Yeah. I, don't, I don't think anyone's ever safe on the web. You should, you should turn it off, <laughs> shut it down, and then the problem just goes, goes away. Actually, I think at the moment you should definitely turn off all the news sources, Twitter and Facebook, and I think you'll feel a lot better. Uh, is that was that news? <laughs> I wasn't aware. That's actually where us modern people get our news, Scott. But anyway, right. <laughs> no, that's okay. Look, that, so look, there's there's a variety of ways to be safe on the web. Uh, on the web, and look, you can be safe, but no one's ever 100% safe. Yep. Just to be clear on that. Uh, but if you've got your um, your antivirus as a really basic way to, to start, and then you've got endpoint detection and response capabilities, they're also going to look at in your browsers, what web pages am I going to? What am I downloading on those pages? Um, a, a common approach recently has been to, to hide exploits within ads. 
So you get little ads popping up when you go to websites. Well, there could be an exploit in there. No, that's just... It could be something running Java. It could be something... And that Java runs to take advantage of known problems in your computer. And you're running it because it's in your web browser. Which is why Flash has been got written off because of all those horrible things Flash could do. I don't think Flash is... Com- I don't think compromised is the right word for Flash anymore. I, I just think it's it's so so heavily it's, a- attacked. That it, it is just a total mess. So yes. so the web's an evil place, but there are tools which will help you filter. There are. And look, at, and outside of your standard protection tools, um, a, a common one is things like looking at DNS filtering. Now, there's a, there's a couple of types of this. One is... Um, the ability to look at a domain name that you type in. So if you go, I want to go to www.abc.com and you can actually have that list checked to see, look, is ABC on the known bad list? Yeah, much like your old sort of antivirus approach. Uh, and there are tools out there that go and collect all the known bad malware sites and all the, 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 the issue sites and keeps a list of those. Uh, such that you can check them before you actually go anywhere. So doesn't the Great Firewall of Australia attempt to do that, Scott? That's that's DNS filtering to stop us us nasty Australians getting to yeah, the Pirate yeah, Bay think, and stuff. I, I, I think there's about 100 or is it 200 items on that list, or maybe there's a few more now, but um, it, it's I, I think that's a very specific uh, use case. Um, so, yeah. so DNS is, is you're doing your own mini version of the Great Firewall of Australia and stopping... <laughs> going to bad sites. You're really just looking up a name and seeing, look, is, is this a known bad place? And if it is, it sort of stops you from going there by saying, I'm just going to redirect you over to this little other area over here that's safe. Okay. And, and in some cases, put a little message on your browser that says, you've just clicked on something that's known to be bad. Uh, hey, here's a little training video about what to look out for. Uh, there you go. Now, now all of this going on, so I'm filtering the web, I'm looking at DNS, I'm yes. patching things I haven't patched, I'm looking for things on bad lists, I'm looking for whether they touch processes or go into Windows or do all sorts of things. Right. And in the one hour that's left in your work week after doing all that... I was going to say, doesn't my machine run like an absolute pig with all of that running? Isn't it going to be well, the look, slowest thing in the world? Well, here's the thing. Uh, the, the trick today is to find solutions out there that do this in a very lightweight client. Now, we, 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 um, we manage clients now, and some of the systems that they've had in place when we've acquired them, um, they're fully protected. Unfortunately, the machine was so old it couldn't do much else. <laughs> <laughs> yep. um, and that's that's what you've got to be careful of. The, um, the, uh, the older antivirus tools, when they try to add more and more features and functions to them, it's more code that's running. They become a larger part of what's uh, of the uh, usage of the machine. And eventually, you're just sitting there watching the machine do something while you're truly trying to do whatever it is you're doing, but it doesn't work. So, so listening to all of this, Brian, I've got to find something. You've got to find I've something. I've got a patch, first of all. You've, you've got, got a patch. You've got a patch. Once I patched, I really need an endpoint detection and management tool. We could call tool. this the patch podcast. We could. <laughs> Nick has got patch podcast. <laughs> um, I've got to do endpoint management. You do. Endpoint detection and management. I've got to have that system in place. I've got to try and get a lightweight one. Yes. Which, in my mind, sounds like it's more expensive. How uh, much is this all going to cost? Okay, so look at... Uh, an antivirus solution, you can get anywhere from, like, say, 3 to $5 a month, sort of, without trying too hard. Yep. Um, you can expect to pay probably up to about $10 a month for a proper suite that's going to protect you today. And the reality is, if, if you're not, if you are paying, say, 3 to $5 just for antivirus today, stop paying that. Just use Windows Defender. It is more than sufficient to keep up just basic if, antivirus. If, if you've got Windows 10. 
to be fair, if you've got a Windows machine, that's very true. Well, if, and if you have a Windows machine that doesn't have Defender, you're running Windows 8 or 7 or XP and you're not patched and you're in real trouble. That's right. That's a whole separate, uh, separate we'll, we'll do another podcast on keeping up to date. We but, came, um, <laughs> came across some more Windows XP this week. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway, I worked on that project and I didn't have grey hair then, but there you go. <laughs> <laughs> it had any virus. It did, it did. So, so um, obviously, um, you can't do without it, right? You need it. It's, 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 it's like an insurance policy. Um, if you don't have any form of antivirus on your machine or endpoint detection and response or any sort of security protections and you want to use something like the internet um, or you want to go and run applications, you will run into problems. Your data will magically disappear. You'll start to get threats by, you know, hey, pay this money or else. You'll start to see that uh, my machine gets encrypted. You'll find all these ads. You'll get lots of ads popping up. Not, not all the all the ransomware and everything like that is actually um, uh, bad in that respect, as it doesn't necessarily always stop you from working. Some of it just promotes more ads. So you've got basically a, a computer that turns into a continual ad generator. Yeah, and, 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 and not good. That's been fascinating, Scott. That's been really interesting. Yeah. Thank you for that. Right, so patch, patch, update pa- your security tools to be something that at least includes endpoint detection and response. Endpoint detection and response, EDR. Remember that. You heard it, heard it, heard it here first. That's way too much wine while talking about that, Scott. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> cool. Well, if you, if you are watching, you can click um, down here somewhere. Um, subscribe to our podcast if you are listening. Um, tell your friends about it leave a like mm. and leave a comment to let us know whether you actually enjoy what we're talking about or you want us to talk about something else. You've got something else, I've you? got a, an interesting news item. Oh, a news item. A news item, I didn't yes. think we were going to do any of those. There we go. Well, we, we thought we might. So this this is something um, that came out of the US just in the last few weeks. So if you think about people, uh, business machines, and they, they get infected with ransomware or something, and they, they get this ransom message that says, yep, pay all these Bitcoin, or else I'm going to encrypt your data, or leave it encrypted, or I'm going to go and put it on the internet for everyone to see, or wh- whatever the actual issue is. So you've had um, things like uh, councils and counties, uh, government departments, and large organizations be affected by this sort of thing. Um, and in some cases, they get cyber insurance security policies, mm-hmm. uh, um, cyber security policies uh, off their insurers. So the most cost-effective way to resolve the issue is normally for the insurance company to say, look, we'll go and negotiate with the ransomware attacker for you, Yep, and they'll work it out that maybe they can pay half or something like that, and to the ransomware attacker, look, it, that's worth better than nothing, Yep, uh, and money exchanges hands, or Bitcoin exchanges hands. Well, virtual hands. Virtual so, hands, yes. And, and that's that's one way that your cyber insurance provider can minimise their risk if you are uh, covered by a policy. But what what's actually happened recently, and this is, I've, I've never liked this approach because it actually says crime pays. Yeah. So that, that sort of don't negotiate wrong with terrorists message. and yeah, all that, that kind right. of stuff. That's right. Well, yeah. actually, strangely enough, you've mentioned the word terrorists. <laughs> so in the US now, they've actually said... Um, under the Financial Money Laundering Something Act, and I'll, I'll actually go and dig up the right wording. Um, if you are paying ransomware um, demands to certain countries that are on the banned list, yep. and this is the, the, the blacklisted, you cannot do the export, uh, the um, encryption That's technologies, Syria, or, Iraq, yeah, uh, North guys, Korea, yep. for example. And yep. let's face it, North Korea pulled in the better part of $2 billion the previous year on doing ransomware attacking they've got to fund themselves somehow and this is the approach they've taken uh, due to all the sanctions and everything Um, so they've said if if you're now going to pay ransomware demands to 
uh, actors that are in these countries, you are funding terrorism. Oh, my goodness. And we're going to come and come and knock on your door and have a bit of a chat. Oh, awesome. perhaps an unpleasant chat. Yes, we don't want that. So um, that's just that's very new, and it's a different approach to the whole issue where they're saying, hey, let's just try to not get you to buy better protection. By If you actually go and pay this, you're in trouble because chances are it's going somewhere where they don't want money going. Now look at look at that. So that is a big difference. So that that is a change. It's yes. Don't pay the money. You now, could get in trouble for it. The, uh, right now, there's so many acronyms tied up in this thing that it's a bit hard to get your head around. So I'm, I'm sure they'll simplify that though. But when you start looking at, hey, someone's infected my machine because I went to this dodgy website and now I've got a, you know, the uh, US government knocking on my door questioning myself about money laundering practices to bad nations. Well, hang on. <laughs> yeah, where, did, where did that come from? That's fascinating, Scott. Yeah. That's interesting. I hadn't read that. So um, thank you for that. That's all right. I, I have no news apart from the Australian budget happened and I haven't read it yet. The budget did happen. Yes. You're, you're right. And there's a lot of summaries. And I think the reality of what does it really mean is going to take a few weeks to sort of mull over in people's minds and kick in. We'll, we'll let that settle through. Scott, thank you once again. It's been fun. Yeah. Thank you, Nick. It's been a lovely time. All right. You guys take care. See Bye, you everybody. Bye.